Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us either here or online. And we're in a series, Learning to Hear God. And today's topic is impression tests. Now, <clears throat> if you've been with us through this series, we first talked about having uh, receptive hearts. Then last week, we talked about four different ways God speaks to us through His Word, uh, through gifted speakers and writers, through pain. Uh, one we didn't talk about, but we see in the video, is God speaks to us through nature. And then I mentioned, I used the word impressions. God gives us, we have th thoughts come to our mind. And that's one way that God speaks to us. <clears throat> the problem is, we get lots of crazy thoughts in our minds, or I do anyway. <laughs> so how do I know, or how do I determine, how do I evaluate, we're going to use the word test, test those impressions or thoughts to find out if they're from God. Of course, they're from, if from God, I need to pay attention to them. So I've used a little formula <clears throat> talking about Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Uh, I have a personal relationship with Almighty God, and in a relationship, you need to communicate. And so there's levels of communication, and I mentioned first you have to hear, receive it, receive, receive the information. Um, this is human communication of any kind. You may hear it without understanding it, so it's important that I understand the words that were said. Um, and then, in that relationship, if that's important information that's transmitted to me, I need to respond positively uh, to that. We use the word obey. <clears throat> and my wife sent me this week. I thought it was really good. So I thought I'd share it with you here at the beginning. Uh, Dwight Moody was a great preacher back in the 1800s. And Chicago, and this is something he, he wrote. In our prayers, we talk to God. We also, God talks to us, but uh, in our Bible study, God talks to us. Talked about that last week. Here's the part I like to emphasize. We had better let God do most of the talking. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> and if I'm in the presence of somebody smarter and wiser and uh, more experienced than I am, it makes sense for me to do more listening than talking. And I think sometimes we uh, get that backwards in, in our Christian life. <clears throat> so, I get these ideas in my head, these thoughts, these impressions. How do I know if it's God connecting with me, God speaking with me, or some other source? So I basically thought of three main sources for thoughts. They come from myself. They're just my ideas. They're my thoughts. They're not good, they're not bad, they're just thoughts. Um, but the Bible says that <clears throat> there is a way that seems right to man that leads in destruction. So sometimes I can th get a, what I think is a good idea and not be a very good idea. So some of the thoughts are just my thoughts. Now we talked about temptation last week. When I, we all understand temptation, right? We all experience temptation. Well, where does temptation come from? It certainly doesn't come from God. So we use the source that comes from evil or the evil one, Satan in this ca case. And so that is something for my detriment, ultimately. So that's not from God. But some of those thoughts, some of those impressions are from God. But how do you know? How do you distinguish between these three? You know, I'm trying to make a financial decision, a relationship decision, even a health decision, uh, how do I know that the ideas I'm getting um, are good ideas? How do I know they're godly ideas rather than uh, some other source? So I'm going to 
try and quickly cover seven tests. These, there could be others. And these are uh, ways to help evaluate those impressions. And hopefully this will be helpful for you. It's going to be as practical as I can make it. We're going to look at a passage in uh, something Paul wrote. It's called Romans, and uh, mostly in Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> so, start with the first test, which we mentioned last week. When I get this thought in my head, I, does it agree with the Bible? <clears throat> um, and we used this verse last week, chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior or be molded by the customs of this world. There's a better alternative. Let God transform you into a new person. That means change you, obviously. How, do we, how does he change us? By changing the way we think. And consequently, then we'll learn to know God's will. Now, why is it important to know God's will? Because it is good, pleasing, and perfect. Is my will always good, pleasing, and perfect? Are my ideas always good, pleasing, and perfect? Absolutely not. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. So if I can figure out what God's will is, it's going to have a good outcome. Now, ultimately, God never contradicts himself. Because he's perfect, it would make, be foolish to contradict himself. Because anything that contradicted it would not be perfect. So, for example, if I get this idea in my head, I, it would be a good idea to lie in this situation. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Well, there's a, one of the big Ten Commandments, right? It's not to lie. So it's probably not God's idea. It could be my idea, it could be Satan's idea, but it's probably not... I would say it's not God's idea. Now, I was wondering why we struggle sometimes with, <laughs> use that example. Well, even though I, got, you know, I think it's probably better for me to lie in this situation. <laughs> why, why do we do that? And, and, and most of us uh, were young once upon a time. Well, all of us were young once upon a time. Some of you still are young. But uh, as a teenager, for example, your parents would say something and they believed it was good for you, and you believed the exact opposite, right? We all been there. We all done that. Now, nobody's got perfect parents, and so sometimes maybe you were right and your parents were wrong, but most of the time the parents were probably right. Uh, but in God, we have a perfect parent. He's never going to uh, guide us wrong. So we, I know it's some concept of... Uh, I have my in, own individuality that we want to struggle with God's Word, but it's foolish. It's never there to hurt us or to harm us. It's always for our good. And I think one of the reasons is we look at this book as a don't-do list. My wife gives me a honey-do list. Most of you guys probably have them for your wives. But we think of this as uh, a don't-do list. And God, this is, you know, God doesn't want me to do this, this, or this. He's spoiling all my fun, et cetera, et cetera. It's the wrong way to look at this book. There are some don't, don'ts in there, but there's a lot of do's in there. And we ought to focus on the do's. And there's these things called the one another's in Scripture. It says to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, serve one another. There's a whole bunch of them, like 20-some of these things. Uh, these are things that are for our benefit and the benefit of the people that we're in relationship with. <clears throat> Another pro Somebody's described this book also as God's love letter to us. If God loves us, and he wrote this, it's his love letter to us. And I don't know if you've ever received a love letter. Hopefully you have from, from your loved one, some loved one. And uh, that's precious, right? Uh, you don't 
just, uh, eh, I don't think I'll need to read that or I don't need to pay attention to that. You cherish those words and we ought to cherish these words. <clears throat> so, whatever situation we're in, we use this as is, is the standard. Or to the gold standard, this is the Bible standard. This is the standard of good behavior as opposed to bad behavior. So, that's a basic kind of easy way to determine if those thoughts are from God or not. Second test, does my church family confirm it? Once you become a Jesus follower, if you're not, we're glad that you're listening. I think you can gain a lot from, uh, from why make it help make wise decisions. But once you join, become a Jesus follower, you join God's family, all the same father, God. And you're in this family and, and, and in a family, there's relationships, and in those relationships, there should be, I'm going to use the word, confirmation. So Paul says it this way in that 12th chapter. Just as our bodies have many parts, I've got fingers and ears and eyes, etc. Each part has a special function. My ears do different than my eyes, etc. So it is with the body of Christ's body or family. We are many, there's many of us, but only one family. We're all the same family. And we all then consequently are connected or belong to each other. So, here's a simple question. Don't you think it's smart to get advice from other people <laughs> that have the same interests that you do? <clears throat> now, I th think sometimes when we go to other people, it's just to get us a rubber stamp on what we want to do anyway. <laughs> so we seek out somebody that kind of thinks like us so we can get a rubber stamp on it. But it's really important to have the, the, the whole council of, of, of people. The wisdom of, of, of a group of people is, is much safer, wiser, uh, special, he said special function, than any, any individual. That's why our church is led by a group of people, not one person. And there's a sense that we should have accountability. That means if I'm part of a group, uh, say a sports team, you're accountable to the other players to do your best and show up and practice and those things. Well, the same thing in the body of Christ. We are accountable and responsible to each other to, to do these things. And other people can kind of see red flags that we don't see, and we don't like to hear that sometimes. Our parents do that when we're young. <clears throat> uh, but sometimes, and the Scripture tells us that, if you see your brother, you know, trapped in a sin, go to him humbly and say, hey, I think you're off track here. Uh, can I help you get back on track? That's part of our responsibility uh, of loving one another and caring and belonging to one another. <clears throat> By the way, this will save you a lot of time, energy, pain, and heartache. <laughs> getting advice from other people. And that's why it's so important to be in what we call a small group because you're not going to share probably very intimate things with a big group of people, but once you share life together with somebody, a uh, small group of people, and you beget, become closer knit, and uh, you get to a place where you can trust those folks with some of these things that might be a little more uh, delicate. And uh, so that's why I encourage people to be in be in small groups. <clears throat> so do other people in the body of Christ confirm those ideas? 
Um, third test. <clears throat> Get this idea. Well, is it co consistent with, and I use this term, <clears throat> the way God shaped me. I did, there's this whole series I, I've done about shape, so we'll just take a couple minutes to talk about it this morning. <clears throat> in uh, this passage, Paul goes on and says, okay, you're in this body. You all have a part in the body. And in the next verse, he goes on and says, in His grace, God, God in His graciousness, has given us, each of us in this body, different gifts. These gifts are for doing certain things well. So God has given us gifts. He's going to use the word also ability uh, to do certain things well, equip us. So if God's given you this, for example, the ability to prophesy, prophesy speak out with as much faith as God has given you. All right? And he goes on to list some others. Another place he's listed, lists more than, more than 20 listed in Scripture. And I don't think that's all inclusive. But anyway, uh, next verse. In, if, it's, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Now let me stop here for a second. The only people that are gifted with the gift of serving are supposed to serve? No. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. Serving is part of Christianity. Service be a part of being a Jesus follower because he served, we serve. But some people have a special gift of serving. They go on above and beyond. Um, we're going to talk about they're passionate about it. They're driven by that. If you're a teacher, teach well. Use that gift to teach well. Then he lists a couple more. It's the gift of encouraging others. Now, there's only the people with the gift of encouragement supposed to encourage people. No, right. Everybody's supposed to. That's one of those one another things, remember? Encourage one another. But some people have a special gift for it. And you've probably all met people like that. They, they just say something and just lifts your spirit. And uh, that's that, that, that gifted person. If it's giving, give generously. Are only gifted people supposed to give? No, everybody's supposed to give. But some people have this special ability or this gift of giving. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. So we try and draft some of you in our leadership position and, and for some people it's a good fit, for others it isn't, but maybe you, it is a good fit for you and you're not using it. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, everybody's supposed to be kind, obviously. Do it gladly or joyfully. So, the way God's made us. We're all different. We're all unique. But God's all made us with a purpose. And, it, and we figure out our purpose by our shape or the way God has made us or designed us. So I have, a, it's not original with me, but an acrostic from uh, shape. It involves multiple components. It involves spiritual gifts. These are gifts that are given to people that are, are, are Jesus followers. People that aren't, don't have spiritual gifts. They have abilities, but don't have spiritual gifts. And I don't like to determine a lot, you know, what, what's one and what's the other. They both come from God. But spiritual gifts are things, special abilities that God has given, and we listed some of them. Um, you don't choose them. I don't choose them. God gives them. And we're supposed to use them. In fact, we enjoy using them. So, I get an impression I say, okay, is this a spiritual gift? This is a gift God's given me. <laughs> now, I believe God's given me a gift of teaching. But even in the gift of teaching, 
I don't think God, I know God's not giving me the gift of teaching art, for example. You don't want me teaching art, or you don't want me teaching music, uh, talking to my son, <laughs> uh, who's, a, who's a music teacher, because I am not then gifted or have those abilities. So, could this be a spiritual gift? Now, when I was 17 and thought God talked about this, God wanting me to become a pastor, I didn't think I had the gift of teaching. Uh, so, sometimes we don't know. Secondly, is heart or what you're passionate about. <clears throat> so, is this something I'm passionate about? Now, what, I was passionate about God as a 17-year-old, but I wasn't passionate about being a pastor at 17. I thought it was scary. But anyway, are you passionate about it? Uh, sometimes we think God wants us to do stuff we don't want to do. No, 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 no. Uh, God will give you a passionate heart for the things he wants you to do. Uh, I got this, I thought it was a wonderful compliment a couple of weeks ago. Somebody made this comment to me that I love how passionate you are when you teach. And my response just off the cuff was this. Well, it's easy when you really believe what you're teaching. And so you'll be passionate about those things. Now, we're passionate about all kinds of things. I'm not a hunter or fisherman, but I see hunters and fishermen get together and talk, and they're passionate about those things. Now, I can get together with long-distance runners and talk about uh, running. Uh, I'm passionate about that. <clears throat> so when this thought comes to mind, this impression comes, is this something I'm passionate about? If it's not, then maybe it's just a passing thought. Uh, there are things that are abilities, and they're similar to spiritual gifts, but these are things that anybody can have. I have some abilities to be able to drive a straight nail. Some people can't drive a straight nail. Uh, I can't fix anything mechanical. I, I have no abilities in, in that area, and some of you do. So we have all kinds of abilities. So again, I don't think God's calling me to be an auto mechanic. <laughs> it just doesn't fit my my abilities, my bends, my interests, my passion, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> so, and again, especially when you're young, you're not sure what those gifts or abilities might be. <clears throat> P for, in shape, stands for personality. You all have different personalities, right? Uh, we all <clears throat> and when I always talk about personalities, I always talk about this general dichotomy between introverts and extroverts. Because I'm an introvert and my wife is an extrovert. So this is something we've had to figure out through the years. And I notice a lot of couples are kind of matched that way. <clears throat> and the best definition I heard of, of the difference is this. Extroverts are energized being with people. Introverts are energized not being with people. Okay? <laughs> so it's not that we don't like introverts, that we don't like being with people. It's just draining being with people. So I love Sundays. I love being with you folks. But guess what happens on Sunday evening? I crash. I'm tired. Uh, I need to, and, and Monday morning I usually go for a run by myself. Help me energize. By myself. So I got to thinking about extroverts and more, there's more extroverts supposedly in the world than introverts. Uh, COVID's been tough on you folks because you've really limited your interaction with other people. So I feel your pain a little bit. <laughs> Us extroverts have been kind of enjoying it a little bit. So personality, we all have different personalities. And so 
Again, at 17, I didn't think I had the personality to be a pastor. Maybe some people would still say that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, check those thoughts, impressions with your personality. For example, I don't think God would call me to do customer service eight hours a day. That would just, uh, again, be very draining on me. So I get to spend part of my day in my office by myself studying God's Word, and, and that just fits me perfectly. Then we all have different experiences. We all grew up in different families. We all got different DNA. Uh, we all went to different schools. We had different teachers, etc., etc., involved in different activities and so forth. <clears throat> so, do my experience uh, go along with these impressions or these thoughts? And all these are ways to help me determine, well, is this thought really God or is it some other source? All right, so let's quickly go through these, the last, last couple. Uh, this is kind of a catch-all. Does it make me more like Christ? Whatever I'm thinking, is it make me more like Christ? Now, the bottom line, obviously, of Christianity is this. Paul mentions it here in this next verse. Don't just pretend to love others. We all probably pretend as in sometimes. He said, really love them. Bottom line of Christianity is loving God and loving other people. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold on to it with all your strength. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other, putting other people before you. So this is a basic standard of impressions. Are they a loving thing today? Are they, is this something that's going <clears> to <throat> make me more like Christ? Now, some years ago, we did the WWJD thing. Remember, what would Jesus do? And that's helpful sometimes, right? Okay, I've got this thought. In this situation, I want to do this. Was well, this <laughs> what Jesus would do in this situation? If not, maybe I shouldn't do it. So that's kind of a, a, a simple test, but uh, a way we can judge those impressions. Uh, test number five. Is this part of my responsibility? Now, we all have certain responsibilities. Mentioned, Paul's going to mention some in this text. Uh, for example, never be lazy. Not saying you shouldn't have downtime, but are you just being lazy? Uh, no, as a Jesus follower, I don't think anybody should be lazy. Work hard. Don't just play at work, but work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Some translations say, be on fire for the Lord. All right, so that's my responsibility as a Jesus follower, to work hard and be enthusiastic. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Hang in there. Keep on praying. Don't quit. When God's people are in need, here's the specific thing, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So these are just some of the responsibilities. And of course, Scripture has lots of other responsibilities. But along with coming, my responsibilities are not necessarily your responsibilities. One of my responsibilities is to come up with these topics I talk about every Sunday, correct? Um, you can come and say, Pastor, it would be interesting if you talked about this or that sometime. That's fine. But please don't come to me and say, God told me that you, Pastor Allen, need to talk about fill in the blank. All right? My wife and I have had people come and, and, and say that to us at different times. And our response is to that, well, if God wants us to know, I think he has, he's capable of telling us that. 
um, got to talk to my wife about, <laughs> about when we, well, we got engaged and then got married. Talking about that confirmation from other people. Actually, my, our moms had us together before we even were together. <laughs> they were kind of conniving behind the scenes. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, were, we were engaged for a while, and, and I think it was a phone call from my wife, our future wife, telling me that she couldn't marry me. She was afraid. Now, she was only 18, and understandable. <laughs> um, but anyway, this was on a weekend, and uh, I think Saturday evening I came to see her and tried to talk her into marrying me, I guess it was what I was doing. Uh, anyway, um, she hadn't agreed at that point. So Sunday morning, I, uh, this was back when I was filling in at her church to preach. I had to preach that Sunday morning. And so I'm really emotionally distraught. So with God's grace, I got up and preached, and they did church first and then worship first and then Sunday school. So as soon as I finished preaching, this little one-room church house, I, I ran out of there. I walked down the aisle and out the door and up the street, and of course, my wife followed me, and we began conversation. And then she told me this, and she remi- I forgot, and she reminded me. Of it. Middle of the night, she'd woken up, she sat up in her bed, and she knew. She just knew. God told her she was to marry me. And so fortunately, <laughs> uh, she obe- listened and obeyed, and, and we'd been married for 40, 40 some years. Anyway, <laughs> long time. <laughs> All right. So make sure it's your responsibility. So I don't go around here telling children's ministry how they should do children's ministry. I don't go around here telling the music people how to do music. That's not my responsibility. Okay? So make sure it's your responsibility. So if I get some idea, I guess I could share with the music ministry or the children's ministry if I get some idea. But I'm certainly going to tell them, God told me to tell you whatever it might be. So test those impressions if it's your responsibility. Uh, where are we at? Number six out of seven. <clears throat> and if you watch our little video on Friday, I talked about this a little bit. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? So I get this thought, all right? Is, am I being convicted of something that's wrong in my life that I need to change? Or is I'm just feeling condemned or worthless? Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, or once you become a Jesus follower, uh, Romans 8, before we get to chapter 12, Paul has said a whole bunch of stuff, and then he says, okay, need to understand this. So now, as a Jesus follower, there is no, zero, absolutely none, condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Um, somebody reminded me of John 3.17 from the first service. Most people know John 3.16, how God sent His Son to, He loved us enough to send His Son to die for us. 17 says, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. <clears throat> so, um, conviction and hopefully resulting in salvation comes from God. Condemnation doesn't. You ever feel like you let God down? I love one preacher's response. He said, you can't let him down because you were never holding him up. You and I don't hold God up. So let's look at conviction versus condemnation. Conviction comes from God. It's an understanding, okay, there's something in my life that's off track, that's wrong. We call it sin. 
I need to fix it, something I need to stop doing or something I need to start doing. Usually they go hand in hand. It'll be specific. Okay, you know, I was just uh, unkind in the way I was just talking to my wife. I need to go to her and apologize and ask her to forgive me and thank you, God, that you forgive me. All right, something like that. And it leads to change. It leads to reconciliation. It leads to improvement in the relationship, etc. That's conviction. That's good. You want that. The Holy Spirit to con continually impress upon you areas in your life you can improve. Condemnation, on the other hand, is wholly different. Wholly different. It's from Satan. It's evil. It's a sense of worthlessness. You know, God can't love me. I'm worthless. Now, this is going to come vague. I, I can't put my finger on it, but I just feel bad. <laughs> and I don't think God likes me right now or God loves me or whatever. And that's not from God. So if you get those type thoughts, say, Satan, get out of here. <laughs> I know that's you trying to get through to me. Now, <clears throat> when you feel worthless, as a Jesus follower, you always need to remember your worth. And it was one of the songs the praise team just knew. <clears throat> How much are you worth? Well, you can't put a price tag on it because the price was God sacrificing His only Son for you and I. So how much worth does that have? So don't ever think of yourself as worthless because the value of something is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. My older boys, when they were teenagers, they showed me this comic book, and they said, oh, this is worth, you know, so many dollars. I said, no, it isn't. <laughs> Unless you can find somebody who's willing to give you that much money for that for that uh, comic book. So, you are of inestimable worth. Another thing about this, and we'll move on. Satan minimizes sin before you do it. Ah, it's no big deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody's going to find out, right? But then he maximizes it after you and I do it. Ah, that was horrible. You're worthless. God couldn't love you. Just keep that in mind when uh, you're, you and I are facing temptation. And last test I'm going to mention this morning, again, this is not all-inclusive, is do I have God's peace about it? Am I at peace about it? Uh, like my wife woke up that night and said, yeah, I'm at peace now. I'm not afraid to marry that guy now. Um, do I have God's peace? Now, when we talk about peace, we've got to talk about external peace and internal peace, and we'll do this pretty quickly. Paul goes on and says it this way, talking about external peace. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So I've got an issue with somebody or somebody has an issue with me. I go and try and, and, and fix that. Can't always do it, but it's, you know, it's all, it's all, I'm doing everything possible to do it. Then I've done my part. Then there's internal peace and Paul writes about this in another place, <clears throat> Colossians, he says this, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. So it's an internal peace. Okay, so I get this thought, this impression. Is it bringing about peace in my external relationships? Uh, is it bringing peace into my, into my heart, into my spirit? Because he goes on to talk about the external again. As members of one body, that's the external part, we're called to live in peace with each other and always be thankful. I got to think about this. Do we ever see God or Jesus 
rushing in a hurry. You know, see, God never gets there early and he never gets there late. He always gets there just in time, but he never rushes. And so some reason, sometimes we don't have peace is because we're rushing around. Now, a, warning, a little bit of warning about especially internal peace. You can be at peace at, at doing wrong. We've all done that. You, you've hardened your heart in some area of your life. It could be some bad habits you have or addiction or whatever. You get to the place where, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with this. And it's not f- fine with God. So that's a, just a little bit of warning about internal peace. <clears throat> so, I want you to experiment with this this week. This is your assignment this week, practice this week. You've been listening to me talk for about a half hour, so hopefully make some good use of it. So using these tests, evaluate an important impression you have this week, or any impression, but take the time on something important. So please, sometime during this week, you can set aside a time, uh, some evening this week or some morning this week. Okay, here's a thought that I've had for a while. How does it stack up against these tests? Is it from God or not? Because again, the most important thing for you and I is to hear from the most important person in our relationship and to understand it and to obey it. And where would we be without? Can you imagine? Where would you and I be without God's voice? So, I encourage you to do that and please let me know. Maybe you've got some other tests or maybe one of these tests helped you, maybe they didn't. Please, love to, love to have feedback. We've got one more week in this series, and then we'll move on to another topic, so hopefully you can join us. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you desire to talk to us, that you do. You're not trying to hide it. You're, wa- you're wanting to make it clear. You give us lots of ways to kind of figure that out. Not that we're 100% sure all the time, but uh, there's lots of ways that we can uh, feel good about those uh, decisions and uh, impressions that you give us. And as always, we want to pray for anyone that at this point has is, is, is not stepped across that line, accepted your gracious gift of salvation, has entered into this relationship with you. God, help them to understand that you're, you, you're not condemning them. You're wanting them to admit their wrong, confess their sin, ask for and receive your forgiveness, and be born again to new life a new relationship with you, the living God. Uh, we pray for all those, those of you folks that are listening that are in that situation. Please, please let us know any questions you have, ways we can help. And when you make that decision, please let us celebrate with you. Father God, we thank you for the privilege we have to speak to you and most importantly, to listen to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.